Jimmy's wearing a yellow T-shirt and it's throwing me off. It's like super neon. Yellow I feel like he's going to tell me to move into the other lane because they're doing some road construction. I, it's funny. I walked <laughs> in the house. I'm wearing, by the way, I'm wearing Apex Welding's super bright yellow shirt that I got. It was in the shop. It was in this little hermetically sealed package and i needed a new shirt so i cut it open and put it on this morning and nice. i've been living like a cowboy i've been running around doing so much stuff so that usually means i sleep in my clothes and wake up in my clothes for the last now, two days what what is what does living like a cowboy mean it means i don't Give take me a shower yeah living on the road uh no i've been back and forth to long island you know it's father's day so i went to see my dad so Whenever I needed a fresh shirt, I just look around the shop and see if uh, you know any of the goodies I've received from fans and friends. And so I put on my wow. Apex brand new Apex welding shirt. It smells nice and brand new. And I walked in the house just a, about a half hour to go to come meet you guys because I've been up all day. And Taylor thought that I was a road crew guy coming in to tell her that we were like closing off the corner of the house or something. I walked in. She goes, "Oh my god!" She goes, "I had no idea that was you walking up the driveway." Because hmm. she needs yeah. glasses and she's not wearing her glasses. <laughs> well, she sews a super bright yellow road crew shirt, and that's what I'm wearing. I like the shirt yeah. because it's like super clean. It's like the type of shirt you don't want to get dirty. But by the end of the day, I'm going to look like a six year old who walked through like a grease factory. <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Mm. And I think nice. that's why it's made to just get completely destroyed. So, oh, yeah. Thank you, JD. For sure. Yeah. So it's been, it's been busy. I got a rush job. Uh, while I have the mic, I'll keep talking. I got a rush job to make another number seven on Saturday that needs to be shipped today. So I worked uh, from about two in the afternoon on Saturday until the evening. And then uh, all day yesterday was Long Island for Father's Day for my dad. And then I got home last night at about 10, worked for a few hours, came home, edited for a few hours, got up at 7 a.m., went to the shop, getting my number seven all in order. And, uh, Came to meet you guys. So as soon as we're done, I got to run back and make a packing crate and then call a shipping company and try and get this thing to Kentucky. So and this is just a single seven, not 77. No, no. Last time I made two, everyone thought I was making the number 77 because uh, of core 77, not to be confused with. But no, there it's a Seagram 7 logo. The Seagram 7's, I think, a whiskey oh, or, right. or, or a rye or something like that. And they are upping. It's funny when company decides to put money into promotion then all of a sudden you see it everywhere so seagram seven is a, a, a liquor and they put these number sevens on top of big campers so they'll do like a music festival and they get these big campers and then the the big marquee number seven that i've made now three of go to individual vintage style campers that are painted up and they drag them around and they serve free drinks through the windows of these campers and so it's just a big promotional item and gotcha. it's the type of thing they can't order on Amazon, so they got to go to somebody who knows how to use his hands to get it made. So it's nice when they need one in a rush. I could charge them rush fees, which is always fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. It's always nice. Yep. So that's what I'm working on, getting uh, getting that done. I just finally put a vlog out. It's been almost three weeks since I put a vlog out. Uh, just busy with everybody being here at the house. It's just uh, been a, a good distraction, but a, a definitely a distraction. I always think, oh, I'm going to edit when, I, when everyone goes to sleep. When everyone finally goes to sleep, it's three in the morning and I'm exhausted. So I go to sleep too. So I haven't been able to edit, but I have been making content. So the content is going to slowly start getting pieced together. I noticed you filmed the vlog in a very special place. 
Oh yeah, yeah. This this week was the first time I put the vlog on inside of my shop, which was a lot of fun. Oh, it was sweet. cool. It was like Patrick finally got the electric. Uh, it, I wasn't asking for because I didn't think we were going to have electric until the main line was run. And he's like, we got we got stuff out there. Southwire sent us a bunch of extension cords, big thick ones. So we ran 300 feet of extension cords in a row and hooked up a little temporary switch box in the shop. And off of that, we ran five lights, five of what's going to be 28 lights. So this thing is going to be lit up like the sun. It's going to be crazy. Nice. So when you saw my, <clears throat> excuse me, when you saw my vlog, that was only five of what's going to be 28 light grids in the ceiling. It's going to be crazy. And then each one, there's going to be six rows of uh, five lights. <clears throat> so that would mean 30, but two of those lights are going to be fans. So we're going to replace those receptacles with fans instead of lights. And each row will be switchable. Be able to switch each row and everything will be dimmable. So I can bring the whole entire room down low. I can just turn on one row. For instance, I see the the front to the back of the shop from like the big door to the opposite big door. That's going to be a breezeway. So I'm going to try and keep that center open at all all costs. And then the machines will be on either side. So that's why the lights are going to be in that same configuration. Hmm. And I'm still moving along on my canoe. I'm making this canoe for Filson. Uh, it's a Bear Mountain Boats canoe. And I'm making it for Filson. It's going to be at their store opening in New York City, September 23rd. So that's exciting. And... Making the canoe is a lot of fun because I'm remembering all the time I spent with Nick watching him build it through the camera. I literally watched hours and hours of footage. So I'm working on it and I'm not even like, it's so natural. I'm not even like looking at any of the documentation or the DVD. I'm just like, oh, I know exactly what to do next. At least that's what I think I'm doing. So <laughs> it's going to end up looking like a raft by the time I'm done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a tugboat? Wait, I accidentally made a tugboat. No, but it's it's really nice. And it's a glue. You got to glue these strips on and then you got to wait till the, the glue starts to tack up. So I'm gluing and then going and doing something else and I'm gluing and going and doing something else. So it's nice to be able to overlap tasks. So getting that done and I'm working on my new knife. It's uh, You guys have seen this knife maybe in my blog. I talked oh, about yeah. it. It's like a big chunk of steel. And I just got in touch with a laser cutter here in upstate New York and they're going to laser cut me a bunch of these. And I have another really cool project inspired by two friends of mine, which when I talk about it on maybe on next week's vlog, I'll, I'll describe it. I have a new uh, sort of like, not to knock off Jocko, but another like maker knife kind of concept. Oh, nice. It's kind of more of a novelty and not necessarily like a everyday carry, but it's funny. It's a cool thing. It's, I'm real excited. So I'm going to have them laser cut as well. Dave? What's, uh, how did you uh, engrave your name into that knife? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hopefully put the video out uh, tonight. This is... Super easy. Alex, French guy cooking, does a video where he, 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 I think he calls it tattooing, but it's electro etching. You just block everything that you don't want etched. In this case, I just used blue painter's tape, put it in the laser, lasered out my name. And then with a battery charger, like a trickle charger that you might keep on a lawnmower or you keep on a dirt bike or a motorcycle, take that trickle charger and clip the positive to an exposed piece of the knife, stick it up out of the solution. And then the negative to a sacrificial piece of metal, which is just any other piece of metal. And you put it in salt water. And then immediately you see bubbles coming off of the exposed metal. And if it's the positive on the, the, your knife and the negative on the, 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 the anode or the sacrificial piece, the molecules take the metal off of this and put it on that. It's incredible. Wow. And basically, once the metal like dissolves from your finished piece, it just turns into like a slurry in the, in the water. So it's me and Brett were hanging out. And we like walked away for a minute. And within 10 minutes, we came back. And the water went from being clear to being completely muddy with like metal flakes in the top of it. 
it was amazing how well it worked. Is there a texture on it? Uh, there is a little bit, and you could see it. I'm showing you through the camera. And it's primarily from like the laser etching that left some of the, uh, okay. the residue from the tape. I should have cleaned the table. But it was my very first one just experimenting. And it came out really good. So I, The I, residue looks kind of cool, actually. Yeah. It does look kind of cool. Like a- it adds a little bit of a texture. But if I was to do a mask in vinyl, a vinyl cutter cut mm-hmm. on the silhouette, it would give us a nice sharp edge. And we wouldn't have any of the residue glue on there, which would inhibit some of that molecule work. Like you see inside the, the letter R, that was kind of the worst of yeah. all of it. Oh, yeah. But it works really well. This is like 25 minutes in the solution. It's just literally like uh, salt, like that you would table salt mixed in water and a battery charger. You huh. know, a $25 huh. battery charger that's at Home Depot. I saw them. They, the exact one I used, I happened to see at Home Depot in a package just last night. So it works amazingly well. It's something I knew I've been wanting to try. And then when I, I mentioned to Brett, just do a little research. I'm going to go run and get the materials. I came back and, and he had a perfect video that he pulled up. And it's a, the guy just goes, clip this to this, this, and wait. And that's what we did. And it worked perfect. So, hmm. But this is just representational. When I actually have this manufactured, I'm hoping to just laser cut completely through to the other side. And that oh. open that open webbing of the logo will give you some grip. Yeah. Hmm. That's the idea. So I have a question jumping back about um, the lighting in your shop. You were mm-hmm. talking about hanging up those lights. Um, is the plan still to put a second story? Yeah, a lot of people keep building? asking. Yeah, I'm definitely going to put a second story. And even with the second story, those lights hang down about two feet from the rafters. There's only going to be a couple of spots where the lights will be six foot, eight inches above your head with the new floor. Mm. So okay. the, the cathedral type ceiling is still really high, even on the second floor. Um gotcha. And I'm just, you know, as long as I keep getting advertisement placement and money from the world, I will be able to build a second floor, but not right away. Slowly, slow as it goes. Are you going to do anything with the walls? I would like to cover the walls. Yeah. So we're still just working on the lighting, uh, the electrical plan. And then we'll decide to do the uh, the foam or, or matting. I'm still not sure exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Take it as it comes. I just, building a building is just so complicated and obviously it's not something i do every day so it's like the order of things i'm just kind of relying on my expert friends to tell me how and what i should do but it's good i mean if if it, if it stays the way it is i'm happy because i got a beautiful building out in the woods i still need doors though yeah well, i gotta be prepared for the winter so i keep getting overwhelmed but i think i'm like doors heater main electric i'm like ah, forget it forget it, forget it. go do something one, else one thing at a time <laughs> yeah, so, yeah one thing at a time I've gotten a few comments, and I've seen comments on other people's videos where, uh, you know, Bob's got a new space, you do, as well as me and April and uh, a few other people. And uh, the the recur- reoccurring question is, you guys are becoming out of reach with mm-hmm. with your new shops. And, you know, there's, there's two sides to this. But how do you guys feel about that? And is it something that you worry about? Uh, well, yesterday I was working in my warehouse shop, which I have. I, I the original plan was to get rid of the warehouse shop, but honestly, it's cheap enough. I'm going to keep it as long as I possibly can. And uh, my landlord seems to still like me, and we're getting along very well. We always have, so I'm going to stay at the warehouse shop as long as possible and just make that my down and dirty space. Just yesterday, uh, 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 a gentleman, I think his name was Al, rolled up and just walked up and said, like, "I can't believe you're here." I'm like, "Yeah, this is where I work." And we hung out, took pictures, gave him a poster, and walked away. So, I mean, I'm just as accessible as I've always been. Is that is that what you mean? Is that what the question is? 
that and maybe your maybe our shops are um something that's not attainable to a lot of the audience yeah. well i mean in, in everybody's trajectory of their career they want to get better and better and better and more and more convenient you know, i mean show me somebody that starts in their backyard and stays in that backyard and grows at the same mm-hmm. time i mean you know obviously uh in our game we, we're offered tools and I say all the time, these are things I never thought in a million years I'd be able to afford, but I have always wanted a big CNC machine. I have always wanted a plasma cutter. And to to keep these things and maintain them, you need room. And so I grow. And at the end of the day, if YouTube becomes something that is passe or a part of our ancient history, I have all this equipment that I could still continue to make a career with, making mm-hmm. things as a fabricator. Mm-hmm. And I still keep my foot in that. Like, for instance, the number seven I just made. You know, it's a very lucrative job, especially on a rush job. And it's not something that, uh, you know, everyday backyard guy could do. You know, you need the space. You need the cutters, the benders. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm I'm proud of the fact that I'm growing and getting bigger. If some people think that, the, that I'm losing touch with my audience, I mean, this is about making things more than anything else and inspiring people. And how many of our fans that don't make content have decided to turn their garage into their workshop? That's the first step. And then once they outgrow that, they go, you know what? I'm going to build a shed in my backyard. And then they build a shed in their backyard. And they go, you know what? There's this old abandoned warehouse in town. It'd be a perfect makerspace. I'm going to go in with three guys. You know, that's the story that we've, we've, we keep hearing. And, you know, we've been at it now for six, seven, eight years, all of us. And it's, it's the natural progression of life. Yeah. I think it's, um, I totally understand that sentiment. Like I, I get why people feel may feel that way, but at the same time, like Jimmy's totally right. If you're not, if things are not continuing to evolve, then you're, you're going to get complacent. You're going to be stuck where you are. And that's not going to be fun. Our job is to show people things, right? And that's not going to be fun for people to watch. Do you really want to watch someone never change? You want to watch someone make the same thing with the same tools in the same space forever? Because I wouldn't. And so, yeah. and, and I'm not saying that like I have a new shop for that reason, but I took advantage of the fact that there is a new shop available. We moved our family. That's why I have a bigger shop. Right. And, um, you know, so it's a side effect of an, of a different choice, but I'm taking advantage of that to be able to do things that I couldn't have done in a previous case to hopefully give people like everything else I do to hopefully give people an inspiration. Like, when there's an opportunity for you to learn something new, do something new, do something bigger, do something better, like give it a shot, try it, you know? And because I've had more space as a side effect, again, now I'm able to hire Josh. Now I'm able to, you know, I want to eventually hire other people. And so I'm providing jobs for people to support their families through this whole thing. And so I think to like decide not to take advantage of, of growth possibilities is really cutting off your future. And so if I were to cut off my future and the people who could potentially work for me for the sake of keeping someone, you know, like happy, a commenter happy or something about like, I haven't gotten too far from them. I think that would be a disservice to everyone else. And the other side of it, I think is that people see space and they see things spread out and they go, Oh, well, obviously now things are totally different. But in my case, I I have a bigger CNC other than that, it's the same tools that I had in Savannah. It's just in a bigger room, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so, I mean, it's totally realistic for someone else to have the same tools in a one-car garage and then all of a sudden have a two-car garage to go into. 
that's doubling yeah. space. Yeah. But what's changing, right? You have more room to make things. So, I mean, I get the idea. I understand why it feels, you know, if two people are walking down the road together and then somebody all of a sudden starts walking faster, there's nothing wrong with them walking faster, but those two people are going to get further apart. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them is making a bad choice. Neither one of them is doing anything wrong, but something's changing and that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because I don't want to get to a point to where I'm creating things that are so far from people. Uh, what just, you know, weekend maker person wants to do that. Like they don't even watch my stuff because it's not interesting because it's so unattainable and it's so far out there. I don't want to get there. But that really has, I think, less to do with the shop and the tools and more to do with, like, am I going to be making a super high-end piece of furniture that's really detailed and takes all these years and years of skill? Or am I making something that's fun, that serves a purpose? That can relate to anybody, no matter what tools they have. So I'm just trying to keep that goal in mind and not worry so much about, like, making sure I have the same tools that, you know, anyone can get at a Walmart because they may not have a Home Depot or a Lowe's next to them. You know what I mean? Like you got to decide where your Mm -hmm. lowest common denominator is that you're trying to match. If you're going to go like focused on tools and focused on shop space, I prefer to focus on, I'm making things that work for me with the hopes that other people can make things that work for them. And I can be the catalyst for that. So yeah, that was a big, big answer. (laughs) Um, Personally, I, I like the, uh, I like showing the world the possibilities. And I remember there was a time, uh, I'm sorry, there's a vacuum going off at my house. There's not much I could do about it at the moment. We have the cleaning people here. Um, there, there was a time in my life when I thought about taking a mortgage out to buy a CNC machine, a four by eight CNC machine, like 12, 13 years ago. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to dive in. I'm going to learn this technology. And then I got scared. I'm like, you know, I'm going to take a loan out for, you know, $150,000. And I've mentioned this before. And then I just said, you know what? That's too nerve wracking for me. Forget it. And then I went back to my regular life, just fabricating things, how I knew comfortably to do them. And then as the maker movement kind of took hold and I was like, what are these wooden things doing here at this maker, first maker fair I've been to, it was a a MakerBot. And then I saw a CNC machine. And then I started realizing, oh my God, it's just a couple of years before these things are in everybody's workshop. And it really is the case. So, we all grew up in this moment in time, this like little flash spot where suddenly everybody's got an X carve and, you know, put a little bit more money, you can get a, you know, a better machine that does a little bit more production quality style stuff. And I'm taking full advantage of that. I mean, I feel like we've gotten on this little wave, you know, whether it's big, little or whatever, but we're on this wave and I'm taking full advantage of that. Somebody wants to give me a big machine, give me, give me, give me, take it. I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks about like my growth because this is something I've always personally wanted and I never thought I could attain it. I mean, I even had, like I said, just had that personal experience where I was going to go and buy this machine. My cousin and I were thinking about going in partnerships and I just was afraid that wouldn't end well. And I was just like, you know what, let me just stay away from this. Maybe one day I can achieve the goal of owning a big CNC machine. And I, I really put a pin in that at that time. And suddenly I found myself in this world and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, you want to, Oh, I'll take that. Sure. Oh, laser? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first podcast we started was like, I'm, I, I would love to learn how to use a laser. Now it's like I use it like I use a printing, like I use a like an Epson printer. And it's, you know, sometimes I got to stop and look back and go, oh, my God, I never would have thought any of this is possible. And the fact that it is and the fact that I get to share it with everybody and see what is possible. I mean, how many guys, 
the, this guy Al that stopped by the other day showed me his new Laguna CNC machine that he bought. I don't, I we didn't discuss it in detail, but I don't think that's something that people would have even thought was possible if it wasn't all of us showing this stuff. You know, like if, if we were all still just behind doors, you know, it would be chat rooms and and discussion groups like you see on Practical Machinist, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't it wouldn't the fire wouldn't be going as fast, and, uh, and people people wouldn't also right. say I could spend a hundred thousand dollars on a CNC machine or fifty thousand or forty thousand. And be okay with it because I know I'm going to be able to make a living with it. Yeah. And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, no, no, it's okay. I'm just rambling. It dawned too. on me that like I don't think we say this often enough. The three of us and I'm going to say most of the other people who create content on YouTube, especially the people who are getting bigger shops, we are not special. We are we – are the three of us at least, I'll speak for us, didn't come from money. I mean I, my parents were – you know middle class they i had everything that i needed i didn't come from poverty i'm not saying that but like we we're not like tony stark right we didn't like oh we can have anything we want let's build out these giant shops with all the you know we're just people who started making stuff and we found a way to turn it into a thing that can make money so that we can make more stuff so i say that like there's nothing special about the three of us or anybody else that does this that says like we're an exclusive club that can only do this. And this anyone, that's what's cool about mm-hmm. this stuff is anyone can do it and anyone can take it as far as they decide they want to take it. It's a lot of work. We've all put in a lot of work. But It's funny. Like people like, say to me, oh, oh, they give you a CNC machine. And my answer to everybody is jokingly, but it's a true thing. It's like, go start a YouTube channel. That's it. Go start yeah. a YouTube channel and, you know, make 750 videos in seven years and you get whatever you want. I think we're all extremely <laughs> grateful for what we have. And we're all very fortunate. Like, yeah, we recognize like we are in a very unique position. We've all worked very hard to get here. And every single day in my life, I'm like, I cannot believe I get to do this for a living. Like the, the series of events that brought me here is just absolutely amazing. And I am very grateful for it. Hey, yeah, can I talk? Totally. I just want to talk also a little bit about free stuff and like let's say like we're if we're in like the canopy of makers you know us three and in april and a few of the other guys that have high numbers people think that we can just pick up the phone and get whatever the hell we want (laughs) it's absolutely not true and each one of us have our own just like we each have our own personal circle of friends we each have our own personal circle of of uh collaborators and advertisers that like us and you know april might tell me oh call these people they might be interested and i get no call back ever because you know, and mm. I said to Brett, I'm like, why don't they call me? Brett goes, because you're not a pretty 30-year-old girl. You're just a 50-year-old schlub. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So, you know, what's hey, right for April might not be right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying what's right for April might not be right for me. So what's right for yeah. Bob might not be right for me. So we each have our own sort of circle of friends in the in the advertising world. So it's not as easy as just picking up the phone or sending an email. You know, I've been trying to get a free trailer for months now. I think I'm going to have to just break the bank and go buy one. <laughs> nobody's given me a trailer I've, I've called every trailer company and so i have fans constantly saying oh why don't you just call jp trello why don't you just call airlift trailers why don't you just i'm like i did every one of them ignored me so there's nothing else i can do so it's not quite as easy as it seems not to say it i don't try because i'm constantly joking about trying but it's a comp- and, and then i see makers that have just instagram channels that are getting great advertising deals they don't even mm-hmm. have a youtube channel and yep. it's and those people like I don't want to say any names, but this person has a great relationship and he's doing great with 
with his advertisers and they won't even call me back because I'm not right for that product and I totally understand it. And then there's so, people with, with blogs who don't have a YouTube channel or don't do Instagram and they just right. write really good articles and they, they also get sponsored posts and, and great deals and work with these right. awesome companies. There are so many avenues to, right. to, to get to this point. There's no handbook on, on how to do what we do. Yeah. And there, I mean, I think the middle ground as, as in most things, you know, there's a, there's a middle point where it's some mixture of all these different things where somebody has like a, you know, not a giant YouTube channel or a giant Instagram or a giant blog, but they have those things and they accumulate to like a, a really good set of media. And that is just one way, one of the many, many ways to be able to get in front of advertisers is just to have a presence, you know, mm -hmm. but if you don't, if you don't show up for the race, you can't win the race. You can't run the race. You got to be there and you got to put some work into it. You know, right. We got really far from the original question. Right. Well, it turned out to be a good conversation, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. But I, I think David's totally right. We are super grateful for what we have. Yep. And I really want to reiterate the point that we are not special. We've just worked for what we have. And we've been given some in addition to that. And I think that is totally possible for anyone to do. And then getting back to the original point of my building, I, I've gotten lots of private DMs, people saying, Oh, did Marvin give you those windows? I paid for those windows. Those windows cost me $25,000 out of my bank. So those windows cost me money. Kyle's whole entire job cost me exactly what he would have charged somebody that wasn't on YouTube. That cement floor cost me exactly what it would have cost somebody that wasn't on YouTube. Because I'm not going to ask these guys to donate their time for free simply because they're going to get exposure. It doesn't make any sense. And I did eventually hook up with Southwire, and, and that's why I'm promoting Southwire on this particular build. But as of now, that's the only thing that I had as far as an advertising partner in this building is Southwire. And, you know, it's Southwire is a giant company. I'm, I'm hoping I could bring some attention to what they do, but they're the type of giant company that can get in partnership with me. And it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna break the bank for them. Hmm. I'm glad this conversation's going on so long because we don't have a real topic. And I have a couple more <laughs> things to, to point out is uh, there are, are people who wonder if there's still room in this space uh, because there's so many of us that are doing this full time now. And I want to say absolutely there is because there are so many eyeballs out there that want to view people making stuff. And if you look at uh, Mike Montgomery or Evan and Caitlin, they came out of nowhere and they're just blowing yep. past everybody. And it's all about effort. It's all about how much time uh, you want to put into something. And it's really working. And they're great examples of that there's still room because they're yeah. working really hard at what they do and they make great content. So, yeah, I, um, just to back up what you just said, I just Googled this as of March 21st. YouTube has 1 billion active users each month. Not accounts, active users. Now, if you don't tell me there's enough audience there for every single one of us, you mm -hmm. are crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there totally. There are there is more audience than there could be creators. So, no matter what you do, what you're interested in, I'm not going to give an example. I'm not going to tell the specifics, but a friend of mine who's also a YouTube person has this one channel that he really, really likes. David's seen it. And it is a very unique channel about a very specific product. And this guy totally loves these things. And it's a <laughs> common thing that you would find around your house. Something that if I said what it was, we would all be like, why in the world would you have a channel about your favorite 
planks. But this guy loves them. And there's an audience. There's a people who love this random thing that is in your house that is not really worth having a YouTube channel about. But he has a YouTube channel about it, and he has an audience for it. So that's a vague way of saying, of reiterating what David said there. There is plenty of room, and everybody does stuff different differently, and, and there's there's an audience for every kind of creation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, do it. Do it. Anyway, do it. Um, we haven't talked about what you and I are working on. David, not. what have you been up to? I just got back from my meetup at Kencraft, which was oh, cool. which, super amazing. It was awesome. Lots of people. Uh, people drove one and a half, two hours to come hang out, oh. which was crazy amazing. The very first guy that, that showed up, he was there right when the doors opened up. Uh, he's a fan of all three of us, listens to the podcast, and told me the story of... He went through a divorce and he lost everything and he was not in a good place and started watching our videos and listening to the podcast and it got him into making and he's invested some money into putting up a shop and now he's super happy and he's got a great attitude and he can't wait for making it 200. Uh, He kept talking (laughs) about no matter where it's at, he's going to travel and and go go hang out with us. So uh, it's really cool to meet meet people like that that are inspired because that's the goal is to inspire people to make whatever you know and so that was fun um i i haven't been in my shop in two weeks Uh, tomorrow will be two weeks since i've done anything in my shop and that was the last day that eric worked with me uh just taking a little break working on the website was hoping to have it launched by the end of this week but i still have a ways to go working on some things around the house i was just trying to avoid burnout and, uh, but I'm going to be back in the shop this week. I think I'm going to work on the, um, the 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 mystery pencil holder that we talked about in the after show last week. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, and told, gonna, I I clarified. I told you I have a video coming up with ten pencil holders, right? Did I say yeah. That? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I said it in yeah. the vlog. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you to think I'm stealing your idea. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's what's going on. Uh, camera person update. I have a new guy starting. Uh, in July and in between now and then I'm going to film by myself just to kind of relearn that skill and and work on some things uh, by myself and then we're going to try out this new guy and I got a a really good feeling from him when I met up with him last week so uh, I'm excited about I'm very excited about that so that's cool people who have emailed me saying hey I want to come be your cameraman. I'll do it for free. Uh, the position has been filled. <laughs> so continue to email him. At David. <laughs> Did you guys see Casey Neistat where he said, Hey, we're hiring somebody to head our gaming section. And he yeah. got 8,000 emails. And the way he, he broke it down, he's like 5,000 of, of these emails just wasted our time. This many thousands of emails did not even qualify. This many was not even in the area. And like there was like 1,000 of those 8,000 emails were actually people oh, wow. that could possibly do the job. Maybe, maybe it might hmm. even be less than that. But uh, I, I love the fact that he said 5,000 emails wasted our time. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the truth. <laughs> Crazy. Um, speaking of making it 200... This is episode 172. Oh, boy. 200 is not really that far away. You are correct. (laughs) 
we should probably start thinking about that. Do we try to make it happen? We've nailed the city, correct? I think we nailed the city. Do Which we, one? And the, didn't we have and the spot? Well, Jimmy, did you have a spot two, for us? Oh, let's talk about it in the after show. Okay. Because Jimmy did have a spot, and I forgot about that, but now yeah. I remember. Okay, yeah. after show. Um, so our Patreon supporters get to hear the after show, just in case you're curious. Um, sometimes there's secret stuff. Sometimes there's not. But speaking of Patreon, um, I want to I want to plug a couple of things real quick for myself before I forget. Um, so Patreon had their five-year anniversary recently. Yep. And I joined Patreon the first day. So I also had my five-year anniversary Ooh. on Patreon, which is kind of crazy. And Wait, um, you joined so they Patreon reached, the very first day? The very first day. Like, I know I'm pretty... I've been trying to get... Because I was a fan of Jax for a oh. long time. And so he put the video up, and about halfway through the video, I paused it, and I went and signed up on Patreon, and then I came back and watched the rest of the video. Wow. And I've been trying to get from them the number I am in the database, because I'm pretty sure I'm in the first, like, handful of people, but we'll see. <laughs> um, anyway, so they reached out and said, like, hey, you know, some people are doing anniversary-type things, exclusive giveaway or, you know, rewards for the patrons. And so this is for my Patreon, not for the podcast, just so we're clear. But um, I started working with my designer, Forby, to make a poster. So we made this 18 by 24 poster with a giant number five on it and then like little line drawings of a bunch of the projects. I'll show it to you guys on the after show. It's so cool. And basically everybody that's at the top layer of uh, patronage, I'm going to just send them one for free. So it's it's going to be the campaigns over the next three weeks. So on July 6th, if you're a $10 patron that I like to make stuff, we'll get your address and we'll, we're going to send everybody these posters. They're so cool. Very and it's awesome. a big one, like a, you know, big. So we got that. Um, the new Bits videos that I was talking about last week start today. Yes. They go out today. So awesome. I'm excited about that. And here's what I've been working on. I've been dying to tell people about this. So, you know, on the Glowforge... <laughs> there's one button. Did mm-hmm. I tell you guys about this already? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's one button, mm-hmm. and everything else is through the software. And so mm-hmm. you have to, like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> so, you, so anyway, I, I plugged up the Glowforge and the exhaust fan to Alexa-controlled things. So I could, oh, dang it, she just blinked. So I can say, Alexa, turn on the Glowforge. And it goes, she goes, okay. And it turns on in the other room. And then I can say, turn on the exhaust. And she comes on. And um, so the only thing that I can't do remotely was. What device? <laughs> she's in the other room going, sorry, what device? Tell her we have a podcast um, going. Tell her that. Yeah. Be quiet. Yeah. Anyway, so the only thing you can't do remotely is push this button. So I made a remote controlled finger. Oh, man. So That's I took a mold awesome. of my finger in this 90 degree. <laughs> poking thing and then I put it on a servo and then I connected that to a little Arduino that has code that turns it into a Alexa controlled device so now I can say well, I keep saying her name I can say push the button and in the other room this little finger goes down and pushes the button and then oh, she goes funny. okay <laughs> that is <laughs> and funny. it's so cool it's like I'm such a nerd but it's so cool you should put like eyeballs and eyelashes on it as if that finger is Alexa <laughs> <laughs> well they said that we should uh, like paint the fingernail Oh, that, right now good. it's like it's like a West Systems epoxy, so it's just kind of a clear finger, but it has an uh, aluminum spine down the middle of it to give it a a pivot point. Does it have a band aid <laughs> on it like you do? 
No, it should. I should put a Band-Aid on it because I keep tearing my fingers up. But Anyway, so that's coming out this week. And I'm excited about it just because it was so much fun to make. That's cool. Um, And I had a question for Jimmy. Shoot. Weigh in. What's your weigh in? Oh, I'm down three pounds today from last week. So since we started, I started this. I'm down 10 pounds. So I'm at 212 today. We started at 222. I remember that number because that was the name of the podcast about three or four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm down 10 pounds. And that's not really working out very hard. Just being super conscious of sugar and bread mostly. And candy, I can't like I I like I talked about this. It's like kind of like very addictive. The ritual of buying candy and the ritual of eating it. I mean, I'll buy candy and eat half the candy bar and throw it away just so that. I did this once with David Welder, and we had such a laugh. I'm eating peanuts, and I'm throwing half of them out. He goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just I'm on a diet." So every half, I grab a handful, throw it out the window. I grab a handful, I eat it. I grab a handful, I throw it out the window. I grab a handful, I eat it. So. Because it's about the ritual of like grabbing uh-huh. peanuts out of the jar and like like everything that goes with it. It's not necessarily just like the food in my mouth. It's like having the bag of peanuts. I'm trying to eliminate. I've eliminated all that, so I don't even have that. But you know, me ramping up to, I would like throw a handful of uh, pretzels away and then take a handful and nurse it and throw a handful away. It sounds ridiculous, but it's part of me breaking the harm reduction, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how I'm approaching this is harm reduction, not necessarily like I'm going to turn around and lose all this weight by this date. So it's it's going good. I'm feeling better in my clothes, even though it's just slightly even like at the point I'm at now, I'm still overweight for where I want to be. But even though I've come down 10 pounds, I'm starting to feel less bloated more, you know, often. Go ahead. I have a book suggestion for you, Jimmy, and it's Mm -hmm. called The Jimmy Way. And Mm -hmm. like. Did I write that? You you are writing it right now. So oh. it's, it's it's how you take screen grabs of your emails so oh, yeah. you can remember to email people. It's how you reduce your, your, your food intake by handfuls <laughs> out the window. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know what other, other things that would fall into this book. Oh, my God. Yeah. Someone's got to just hang yeah. out with me and record all the weird, stupid things I do. <laughs> I the funny thing is is I did that with David once as a joke like and we did it just to get a laugh on an Instagram story two three years ago but I still do it when I'm alone because I'm having this internal struggle I'm like why did you just buy this bag of pretzels and I'll like I'll just grab the corner of the bag and dump it all out so I have no option and it's just whatever I was holding at the corner of the bag is what I eat so Hmm. it's like otherwise I'll I'll nurse the bag and I'll I'll nurse it all day long Hmm. You know, I, I I used to do the th- similar thing when I had cigarettes, when I, I quit smoking when I was 21 years old. But I remember the struggle with trying to stop smoking. I'd buy a pack of cigarettes and I'd pull half of them out and I'd just give them to a friend. I'm like, here, take these. And, you know, it's like I said, it's just the idea of just harm reduction. Hmm. Uh, that well, being said, I'm trying not to eat any of those snacks at all. So in the last three weeks, I'm not, I mean, that's just something I've done leading up to these this last few weeks. So no snacks, really. I mean, it, honestly, in the last three weeks, I've eaten like one bag of pretzels and maybe one small bag of chips. That's it. But that's the kind of thing I, I, I'm ritualistically, oh, let me just grab this. If I just have one today, that's it. But I do that every day and then that's, that's bad. So, yeah. And it's just because I'm running from here to there. And so now if I'm trying to, I'll just try and get some protein. I'll just get some cold cuts or whatever. And I'm trying not to be specific again, because we had this conversation a few months ago, a few weeks ago, where it's like, if you get detailed, you say, oh, well, what kind of ham are you eating? Oh, oh that's, that's the worst ham you could buy. I'm like, you know what? 
I'm just the worst thing for you. I'm yeah. eating food that's not as bad as the food I used to eat, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, everybody makes suggestions, and they're lovable, and they're nice. But, you know, when you talk to a friend, you're like, oh, oh, you, you use ketchup? Oh, my God. You know what sugar is in ketchup? I'm like, yeah, I ate a half of a teaspoon of ketchup, so get off my back. <laughs> Make it like I'm drinking the whole entire tube of uh, ketchup. <laughs> well, that's gross. No, I know. Um, that's well, what I'm saying. Yeah. So, like, people, like, yeah. jump all over your back. Oh, you barbecue sauce? You can't, you can't have barbecue sauce. You're on a diet. Like, yeah. It's like a smattering of the taste of it. I'm not yeah. drinking a milkshake-sized version of barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. that one's not so bad. Well, good. I'm glad that uh, that is continuing to work and Thank go you. down. Yep. I still haven't had any sugar in my coffee for the past three weeks. Very good. Cut out sweet tea. So I'm trying to find those things too. Those like things that I do every day or every week that are, you know, consistently there and just trying to cut that sugar out. Not really trying to like, you know, I can't eat sugar in any other situation or whatever, but just taking the consistent load of sugar out. And, and, and you know, I, I, I have to say this. I know the three of us, I'll, I'll drink uh, soda as, as candy. I once had a trainer that said, you could drink, you could drink uh, Coca-Cola if you want. He goes, you're eating a candy bar, and that's it. There's no nutritional value at all, just so you know that. And yesterday, me and my dad went up to the flea market, and we're walking around, and it was a hot day. And I just happened to notice how many people buy Coca-Cola as like a thirst mm-hmm. quencher. And it's it's horrible. It's just it's got to be bad for you. Just the amount of – like this. It's the worst thing just, for you. It is the worst thing for you to drink. <laughs> Literally. Shit. So, yeah. But I'm, I'm saying like <laughs> it's just making smart choices on a regular basis like – I do want Coke because I've brought up in this addictive personality where sugar, sugar, candy, sugar, but I choose the water instead. Yeah. And uh, it, it just just making better choices and harm reduction. I'm just trying to keep that in mind every step of the day. So this is kind of related to that. But one of the things that I found myself doing, so when I used to run marathons, when you train for that, you're putting out. A huge, you're burning a huge number of calories. Like, you know, you go out for these mm-hmm. 18 run mile run one day and then the next three days are like, you know, eight, 10, eight or something. So you're running yeah. a lot in a, yeah. in a week. And when you're doing that, you can, if you want to pretty much eat anything you want. Oh yeah. You got it. You got to add those right. back. So when I was doing that, I would be like, I was still trying to be healthy, but I didn't feel bad about having sugar in my coffee at all. And like, you know, if I had a tub of ice cream, like a little thing, you know, once a week or something, no big deal because I'm burning it off. And so I got into the habit of like, well, it's okay to have a lot of sugar in, in coffee every day. It's okay to drink water at home, but then when you're out, you can get sweet tea. That's like a, a kind of a treat that when you're at a restaurant, you get sweet tea instead. And that was the case when I was training a lot. But those things got into my habit. And then when I stopped training as much, those things stayed in my habit. So then right. I found that, you know, running four miles a week or 10 miles a week is not the same as running 30 miles a week. And I'm still taking in the same amount of sugars through coffee, through sweet tea, through ice cream, through cookies, through just like random little, Oh, I'll just treat myself here mm-hmm. and there, you know, cause it's not a big deal, but it all adds up. And if you're not mm-hmm. doing something to burn it off, it's just sitting there. And yep. so it, it dawned on me a while back that like I had never made, I'd quit training, but I never made the switch with the other stuff. And so yeah. I had to kind of like, it's funny. You remind me when I was running like, I would run two, three miles at a clip when I was running uh, 10 years ago when I was much slimmer than I am now. And one of my rewards is I would I would take $2 with me to the track in the Lower East Side and I'd run and then I'd use that $2 to buy a can of V8 
because there's one deli I would go to that had an ice cold can of V8. And V8, I don't know if you drink V8, and if anybody drinks it, it tastes, it tastes like you're drinking a milkshake that kind of tastes a little bit like tomato. It tastes like it's got tons of sugar in it. I never read the ingredients, but it's probably full of sugar. But I would only drink a V8 if I just ran two to three miles or more. Because that was like my reward, like my little mental reward. Like I would never drink a V8 now unless I just expended all this energy. To... So you just reminded me of that little ritual. Hmm. And I, and I, gotta, I have to spend the energy to get that little reward back in my mind. Like I couldn't drink a V8 unless I just ran two miles. Like right now, I wouldn't even think of it. So hmm. it's, a fun, it's a funny little – again, it's, with me, everything is about these rituals. It's just you know, maybe I have some kind of crazy OCD. <laughs> I know I do. I don't know what it's defined as though. <laughs> There was a Vox video a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, I don't have a link, but they were talking about how if you want to lose weight, it's it's exercise has way less to do than actually eating because when we exercise, we reward ourselves with treats and we also are hungrier after exercise, so we tend yeah. to actually eat more. And so it had um they came from the point of view it's it's more important about what you eat than actually what you do. So good point. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a combination of the two, but yeah, yeah, that's that's totally the truth. Um, what what else were we gonna talk about? Today? Well, we're forty five minutes in. Uh, I did <laughs> I did post a question of what hey, what do you guys want us to talk about on Twitter and Instagram? Um, so we'll take one or two. But here's a really good question that just came in from Dave Schneider. He says, "I work at a school makerspace. What?" Do you think we should, let's see, I'm sorry. What should, do you think should definitely be taught to kids today? So, uh, you sound like Matt Cremona. Yeah. As well as Matt Cremona. (laughs) Well, the sentence is, uh, I'm sorry, Dave, but the, 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 the word should is in the sentence twice and it's tripping me up. What should be taught to kids today? He's, uh, curious to hear what our take is and i think that's important he works at a makerspace so what should we teach kids i think kids should uh, have a smattering of everything uh, i think it's uh we we i have a couple of friends that uh grew up in uh, sweden and they teach kids woodwork like by the, their fifth grade oh, you guys wow. hear this it's ritual no. i mean or this practice ritual right i'm saying I'm talking about rituals um yeah so there are other countries that teach kids practical woodworking and this kind of stuff and well we you know this thing called parent uh is it adulting you guys know what the term adulting means doing adult stuff yeah, yeah. Doing adult stuff. but the kids are like so coddled these days and i'm not like a big redneck owner kids don't know what i know but the fact is there are a lot of kids that don't know practical stuff like i heard an npr yeah. story about adulting and it's the idea the kid goes to college and he says to his dad, hey, dad, my dorm room light doesn't come on. I don't know what's wrong with it. And so the father automatically assumes, because he's of our generation, that the kid troubleshot, pulled the light bulb out, changed the light bulb. But, and he gets there until he drives an hour to his son's college dorm room and he says, what's wrong? He goes, the light's out. I don't know what's wrong. He goes, well, what did you do? He goes, I did nothing. I flipped the switch. It because you didn't change. The guy drove an hour, literally got on a chair and changed the light bulb for the kid because the kid didn't realize that he could change the light bulb to fix the thing. So yeah. all this practical knowledge is, is not being taught as often as it once was. And so these are the type of things kids should learn in school. You know, a sharp drill bit, uh, how to use screwdrivers, how to use a hammer, how to drive a nail, how to use a nail gun. Now it's really more of a, you know, how, show me somebody that uses a hammer for a real reason other than Kyle and the guys that frame. 
So, you know, but just using hammer and pry bar and how not to put all your weight behind the screwdriver while you're stabbing it into your other hand, uh, you know, practical stuff like this and, you know, how to use a razor blade and, yeah. you know, I don't know. There's a million things if we sit down and, but the, the idea of a, of a, a child maker space showing kids how to do stuff, I think is important. Uh, the idea of troubleshooting and, and practical thinking, give kid a handful of popsicle sticks and say, make a box out of this. And, you know, uh, yeah. Raina, last year, Raina, Raina had a, you guys know Raina's my friend, Raina. She's a young YouTuber. She had a class in high school to make a bridge. And mm-hmm. I gave her just a couple of tips. I, I told her what cross bracing was, X bracing in a bridge, practical bridge structure. She won the competition and she beat the record by like 20 times. I'm like, what do they teach these kids that you, I gave you two second conversation and you beat the standing record by like 20 times. It's the, it's how many books the bridge could take an 18 inch bridge mm-hmm. span between mm-hmm. desks. And she was able to stack like 70 books on it. Where like all the other bridges from the previous few years of high school were only able to stack like four or five books on it before the bridge broke. Hmm. But they had to make a bridge out of popsicle sticks. Go ahead. I want to go next. Uh, so the two guys without kids can speak and then Bob can <laughs> yeah. finish it with actual I, I, I'm ranting. I'm good. <laughs> um, I think problem solving needs to be taught more. Yeah. So whether that's uh, uh, making something or coding something or whatever, and not just problem solving, but throwing the wrench in the middle of the project. I remember back in college, we we had uh, assignments of like I went to school for graphic design, so it was like lay out a, a an ad for you know Coca Cola or something, okay? And in the real world, it doesn't work that way because you lay out an ad and then the client sees it and then they want to make changes and throw all this other information in there, so. I would suggest have a have the kids make something, but in the middle of it, say, okay, there's a client change. You now have to fix this or add this or remove this. What are you going to do? I like that. Hmm. I do think, yeah, rolling with the punches is probably a good, important thing. So I went to uh, an art school for college, and I know it's a different – that's a different you know age group and different set of stuff than what you might be teaching at the school, but – I, one of the things that I think was really important for me as I developed into an adult uh, and trying to make different and having different interests um, was the way that they structured their the classes in college. So they had the first two years were called, oh, what did they call them? It doesn't matter. They were like fundamentals. And so we took a variety of types of art classes to get like a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and to, you know, the stuff that everybody had to take before you got into your major classes, just like you would at any college, you have to take math and history and all those things. But in an art school, it's like you have to take two life drawing classes. Yeah, we had, it was called gonna, foundation the first year. Foundations, that's yeah. the word I couldn't think of. Yeah. yeah. So whether you're going to be someone who draws or not, you have to take two life drawing classes. You have to sit there for 20 weeks and you have to draw naked people for the sake of figuring out how light works on stuff, on curves, on things that are not flat shapes. Then you have to take a, a still life class and you draw fruit and you draw books and you draw, you, you have to draw those things. And I'm not someone who can draw very well. 
Those are things you had to do. You have to take color theory. You have to take two-dimensional design, flat paper design. You have to take three-dimensional design where you physically build some sort of a thing out of whatever material they give you to make. Um, and, and there's a bunch of things like that that you have to take in your foundations to get the variety of skills, you know, just your toes dipped in those skills so that when you get to the thing that you're actually going to be doing for the rest of your life or, you know, whatever your major is, you have more than just that. Because people would come into art school as really good painters and they would say, I want to do painting, fine art painting. Well, that's fantastic. Good for you. But if you don't know how 3D shapes work, if you don't know how color works together, your paintings are not going to be good, right? And the same thing goes for computer animation. If you don't know how color works, if you don't know how 3D shapes work or 2D shapes, light and shadow. And so to answer the question, I think from a school's perspective, <clears throat> the best thing that you could do right off the bat is to give them variety. So in a single year's worth of shop class or makerspace class or whatever, don't, don't just go like, well, everybody needs to know how to code now. Everybody needs to know how to 3D model now. Though That is absolutely the truth. But they also need to know how to make stuff out of popsicle sticks, like Jimmy's saying. They need mm. to know how to you know, use the basic tools that they will end up with when they get out of college. Pretty much everybody gets out of college and has like a drill and like a jigsaw or something to that effect. You know, you know what everybody some... needs to learn? They need to learn how to screw the end of two two-by-fours together without splitting it. How many people like, like that? Yeah, yeah. Every there's single a bunch person of little, who knows nothing about they go, they, why did that just split? Like there's yeah. no, no it's simple practical reason why. I think just variety, you know, because people are going to gravitate towards a thing. If you give them options, they will find something that is like their thing. But if they don't see the options, they may never find that thing. Um, this is kind of unrelated. Well, it's kind of related. We were had a, had a conversation recently with um, some people whose kids are older than mine. And they are in junior high and early high school. And they, in junior high, these kids were having counseling on career path stuff. In junior high school. That's sixth, seventh, eighth grade kids. Wow. There's no way, and it's totally unreasonable for a kid of that age to, to even think about the reality of what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. They don't need to do that. They need to see that there are options, that there are skills that they can find, that they can go into stuff that they can explore between there and the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So like to answer that dude's question, please don't say everybody needs to know how to code. I mean, I did software. People need to know how to code. Yes, I totally agree with that. But don't make that the thing. Don't make 3D yeah. printing the thing. Don't make woodshop the thing. Make all of it the thing. Yep. Okay, yep. off my soapbox. <laughs> <clears throat> it's true. Problem solving in a variety of materials. Yeah. And uh, and also instill a sense of curiosity. Uh, you reminded me of a friend of mine that I went to the School of Visual Arts with who was an amazing painter. I mean, absolutely like Salvador Dali-style painter. And I'd go to his studio, and he'd have like cinder blocks under shells. He didn't know how to do anything else, but he had this incredible, intense skill just to paint. But he never spent any time doing anything else. He didn't know how to build shelves or yeah. put up a coat rack or, you know, he's... he's just practical stuff. And mm. so the idea of spreading out the, the skill set, and it's not something everybody's going to gravitate towards everything, but it's good to just have a smattering. And yeah. I, I'm super grateful that I learned graphic design and computer-aided design and stuff like that when I was, you know, right out of school. Because right when I got out of school, 
I graduated my art school in 1990 and right after it was the digital revolution. And then one of my students forced me to get a computer. He didn't force me at gunpoint. He says, you need to get a computer. You think that you're going to solve everything on the bandsaw. He goes, you need to get a computer. And right there and then I, I made the jump. Just like I always, I resist, I resist, I resist. And then like, I can't resist anymore. And I got my first computer, I think in 1995. And uh, yeah, it's hmm. life changing, of course. Um, sorry, were you done? Yeah, I'm done, I'm done. Okay. Well, I'm I'm doing a talk at Craft and Commerce uh, at the end of this month, and the idea is actually kind of built. I think that's why I got fired up about that is because the idea of the talk is built around this same idea. And so, in the after show, I want to tell you the idea and see if you guys have any like oh. things that I could weave into it to make it better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we are uh, 56 minutes in, and we only got one question. So. Maybe we'll, we'll save the rest. For we'll we'll save time. the rest. Bob, you wanted to do uh, another show very soon where we ask each other questions. Yeah, that's fun. It is. I mean, fun. I think maybe maybe we come up with two questions for each other mm-hmm. for each person. Yeah, and then just you know, but any, whatever doesn't matter what they are. Yeah. I think that's fun to catch catch each other off guard. Um, yeah, so let's do that sometime soon. Let's, while you guys figure out what you're going to talk about this week, (laughs) that's the theme now, I'm going to talk about Patreon. Um, Like I said before, Patreon's a big thing for me personally, but also for this show. It's the thing that keeps the show going. We don't have sponsors. We've turned down big sponsors recently because we have Patreon and we don't need them. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys for that. Um, Especially our top supporters, Wise Old Dow, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Malton Make, Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, Dorsharir, Chad for Mancrafting, and Make, Build, Modify. Um, we are really grateful for them and for everybody else who supports the show. And uh, it, it makes a difference. So if you want to go to, if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com. Patreon. I never spell this because I assume people know what Patreon is, but it's mm. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash making it. And help us out. Or you can share the show. Yeah. That's also helpful. You know, post about it on Twitter and Facebook, whatever. Any of that's cool. Jimmy's not looking at the screen, which means I think he forgot to make a pick for the week. No, no, I do. And I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to cleverly develop. He's like reading, uh, he was reading a book. (laughs) Like, <laughs> no, no. Remember. Well, my pick is is Gareth's book. Oh, uh, it's a book. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's uh, the makes. Uh, by, it's a new book published by the Make uh, Publishing Company. It tips and tales from the workshop by Gareth Bronwyn, who's been a, a huge supporter of all of the make makers in the making community, and and me specifically because Gareth and I met, I guess, about seven years ago at Make Affair, and we've been in touch constantly ever since. And Gareth was my very first editor at Make when I was publishing my movies, and he helped craft my style through the maker, uh, through make, uh, videos, the make videos I did. And Gareth and I, a few years ago, were at make affair. And if, I don't know if anybody was there or saw the live feed when I emptied my pockets, I dumped, I did like a pocket dump during our interview. It was very funny. I just kept pulling things out. It was like Harper marks. I kept pulling stuff out of my pocket. But that day we discussed, uh, what my dad used to say at a construction site. And my dad would say in the morning, it'd be tip of the day. And my dad would say one thing that he didn't want any of us to do or, things that we should do. And so just joking around with Gareth about that. And that was one of a few light bulbs that went off in his head to make this book. So Gareth mentions me a few times in the book and he mentions a lot of us in the book. Uh, 
a lot of the makers on YouTube. He's kind of scoured YouTube and everybody and, and asked people to submit tip ideas. And uh, this is a, a new book by Gareth Bronwyn, published by Make. So keep an eye out for that. Sweet. My video this week is from Matt Cremona. He has a video called Rotten Wood to Brass Hammer Handle. And it's basically Ooh. how he is stabilizing wood with uh, um, some sort of resin and a vacuum chamber. And I am... So about three weeks ago, I ordered a vacuum chamber and what's called cactus juice because I wanted to do some wood hardening and stabilizing because I have a couple ideas for some projects. And then Matt's video came up and I'm mentioning this now that I'm not just stealing Matt's, Matt's ideas. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, but what, what did happen was, thank goodness for Matt's video, he is... I purchased a a um, vacuum chamber from this company called Turntex.com, and they're back ordered. And I actually canceled that order last night and bought the one that Matt is using off of Amazon, which will be here in two days. So now I don't have to wait nice. weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, yeah, so the, and and Matt does a really good job of explaining how the the resin stabilization works. There are other videos out there that are just really really long, um, and and uh, Matt kind of condenses that information down and brings up some good points. Sweet, and I like Matt. He's a um, good dude. Matt is a good dude. He's really small too. <laughs> just want to hang out with him. Oh, tiny man. I'm small. I'm short, and Matt's shorter than I am. So, um, so I love you, Matt. I'm not jogging on you. So, uh, mine is Brett. That works oh. with Jimmy. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Right. Did you see his new video? Yeah, the with chocolate leather. Ki- yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Awesome. Those guys oh were goodness. filming it this week while we were we were while we were in and around. Brett was like coming in, and he was like, "Let me steal Jocko for a few minutes," and he would. Uh, we. we we didn't have any goals, Jocko and I, other than to announce the uh, this thing. And uh, Jocko was working on his video game thing. And so Brett and him yeah. figured out a way to, to do a quick collab while they were hanging out. Yeah, it was funny. It's such a cool video. Like, yeah. Brett just has a really good, uh, he makes good stuff. So it's called The Magic Leather Case with Jocko whatever, Maker Adventure 7. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love Jocko's <laughs> expressions. He doesn't have to say much to really impart a lot of sarcasm yeah. and wit. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part was when Brett walked away and he like mimicked him behind his back at the computer. Yeah. <laughs> I think they wrote that scene together. Yeah, it's good. You should go watch it. Um, has he done other Maker Adventures like that? I mean, it says Maker Adventure Seven, but maybe I've missed those. Oh uh, well, he did one with Laura, and uh, he's got he's got kind of a longer narrative developing, and I think I'm going to be one of those video game characters eventually. Sweet. If you read the fine print in the computer layout of the game, the game titles my name is in there nice that's cool all right we'll go check that video out it's a good one um you guys got anything else for this week mm, not for this show maybe for the after show not f- oh after i got some show. really good stuff for the after show Ooh. no i'm all kidding right. i don't have much <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> all right cool all right. well Love thanks you. for listening everybody Love everybody. Happy uh, Father's Day, everybody. Bob? Yeah. Happy Father's Day, Bob. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. See you guys next week. Later.